name is not Dr. Google. I'm Dr. V. I want you to be healthy and happy, so we're going to talk about all the things I can't fit into a 15-minute appointment. Let's get started. Step into my office. Hello, and welcome back to another visit with me, Dr. V. Thank you for listening to the podcast, Office Visits with Dr. V. I am really uh, enjoying providing this information for you all. And I'm hearing a lot that, you know, it's, it's helpful. So thank you so much for listening. Continue to share this with your friends and family. Please subscribe. Leave us a rating. Give us five stars. And again, you know, just continue to listen and uh, show your support. We really, really do appreciate it. I am Dr. Benita Renato. I am a board-certified OBGYN and a board-certified lifestyle medicine physician. And I started this podcast because I wanted to give some general information that I share um, every day while I take care of women. And so this one, I really haven't done a lot of OB or obstetric episodes, and I'm going to do more of those this coming year. But we're going to start with today before you get pregnant. In the medical world, we call it preconception. It's actually called preconceptual counseling. So this episode, I think, is very, very important. This is for men, women, couples, young girls, anybody who's childbearing age. It's just a lot of good information of being healthy and being ready to take care of, or not take care of, but to, to be an incubator. That's what I like to tell folks, a few things about pregnancy, that you as the woman with the uterus, you are the incubator. You are the, the place where the baby is growing and you want to be the best incubator you can be. The other thing I often share, jokingly, but it's true, is that our babies are parasites. They are little parasites in the womb and out of the womb sometimes. Uh, the definition of a parasite is that it, get, it takes, it takes, requires things, but it doesn't give anything back to you. And so there are lots of things that you need to consider when you're planning to become pregnant, an incubator, and when you're going to have, have a fetus or a baby on the inside that's growing and is depending on you and, and your, your health. So first of all, it's, it's always really interesting who actually I have this conversation with. And it's usually people who have, you know, reached a point in their relationship and they're ready to get pregnant and, and start a family. That's the most common time that I have this conversation. Or if you're engaged and you kind of want to know, okay, what do I have to do to get ready to be pregnant? And what I like to, to think of, what I want you to consider is that you getting pregnant and being an incubator is a very, very, it's, it's not a, it's not a one-time event. Like you need to live a life that prepares you to be pregnant even before you think about or want to get pregnant. And so again, we're we, I'm really focused on prevention and the things that even we do as teenagers, teenagers and in college when we're not wanting to get pregnant or have children per se, it really is important that we start taking care of ourselves from, from every facet of life. Just so you know, sometimes this conversation cannot be had prior to getting pregnancy because 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. Can you believe that? <laughs> 50%. I'm not telling anybody's business, but I wasn't planned. And I think I'm sh I shared that on my um, last podcast. I wasn't, I wasn't planned. And so we don't often have the time to have the conversation that we're going to have today. So if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, right? All right. So, so let's learn how we can get ready. I will tell you, you know, if, if, when should you have this conversation? And a few things 
that I've, I've researched. And again, this is something I talk about all the time, but I definitely had to go back into to my journals and into my resources. And, you know, some of the, the things that they share might have been missed opportunities. So I've already told you that if you're going to the office for a premarital office visit, but also if you're um, talking about contraception counseling, that's a good time that you can have this conversation after a negative pregnancy test, if you're getting evaluated for STDs, and if you've just recently had a baby. Preconception counseling is important. Now, what I will tell you is that they're not going to probably do it on the same visit, but any of those things that I just listed can be a trigger to say, hey, you know, maybe we need to have, have this conversation. And I think what, I think what most people think about preconception is, okay, I think, how do I get pregnant potentially? What medications do I need to avoid? You know, what weight me- do I need to be? What medications? do I need to take to get pregnant? But it's really, it's really deeper than that. So first off, and you know, Dr. V, I don't know. I don't know how other doctors practice, but if someone comes to me and they say, what do I need to get pregnant and, and or to think about? The first thing I say, maybe not the first thing, but one thing that's really important and is really foundational that we don't think about is what is the health of your relationship? What is the health of your relationship? So again, I take care of women. Women, and y'all can y'all can get upset with me all you want, but just remember that it takes your egg and your partner's sperm to make a baby. The person who gives you the sperm is the biological father of this child. And so when the baby gets here, the baby has needs. And I, I, I think, you know, some people choose to have babies by themselves, but it's hard to do it by yourself. And so, A, who are you choosing to be the father of your child? Is this someone that you want, it will be a good role model for your child, will be a good father? Will this person help you raise this child? It's something very simple that we don't think about, but y'all, I'm just telling you what I've seen. You know, I've seen situations where we're bringing children into a relationship that doesn't last and that affects the baby after the baby gets here. And so, yeah, you need to eat right and exercise and take your prenatal vitamins, but we also want to go ahead and protect the, the mental health of the baby that we're, we're trying to bring into the world. So when you, that, that's a Dr. V-ism, just so you know, that's the first thing I'm going to say. But there are some things that, that you should, that we consider a part of taking a, what we call a risk assessment. We should be asking you some questions just to see, okay, what things might become issues when you get pregnant or even before you get pregnant? So I'm just going to go through a list. Chronic medical problems. So do you have high blood pressure? Do you have diabetes? Do you have a thyroid condition? Are you obese? Obese, the definition is a BMI, body mass index, of 30 or greater. You can find calculators online, but that's the definition of being obese. And obesity actually does affect your fertility. But these are things that, A, can be an issue that will allow you to get pregnant and also may become a problem during the pregnancy that will affect the fetus. You guys are hearing me say fetus. Fetus is just the baby that's growing inside. As long as the baby's in utero, it's a fetus. That's the medical term. Okay. Another thing that should be addressed is medications. What medications are you on right now that could potentially cause birth defects for your baby? What medications are you on right now that could cause birth defects? And there's a, there's a huge list, but I'll give you a, a very common example that I think it seems like most that some patients know about is if you're on seizure medications. If you're taking seizure medications, it 
will put your baby at risk for neural tube defects. The neural tube is a spinal column and it closes very early in pregnancy. And these medications interfere with that. So if, if you do have a chronic condition and you are taking medication, before you even think about getting pregnant, you want to have a conversation with the doctor that's prescribing those medications. Will this put my baby at risk? Using the example of the seizure disorders, like Lamictal, for example, maybe your dosage may need to be adjusted. Maybe you need to switch uh, to another medication that has a lower chance of causing neural, neural tube defects. So, you know, you're thinking you want to get pregnant and have a baby right away, but no, we're going to have to take you off of your lamictal, or we've heard Depakote as well, and we have to put you on Keppra, and we have to make sure that you are stabilized and controlled on that medication before you get pregnant, because we switched you, and then that medication may not, may need to be changed because it doesn't work for you for whatever reason. Also, another thing that should be addressed is looking at your past obstetric history. You know, what kinds of things have you had a lot of miscarriages, which again can put you at risk during pregnancy and just trying to figure out why that was an issue. What kinds of issues did you have during pregnancy that may shine a light on things that we have to look out for now? Like, for example, if you got preeclampsia or you got gestational diabetes, Gestational diabetes is diabetes that occurs during pregnancy, but 30% of women who have gestational diabetes will eventually or potentially are at risk for getting diabetes. And so that history might prompt further investigation by your doctor. Genetic risk and family history. Okay, so are there things in your family that can be passed on genetically, like sickle cell disease or cystic fibrosis. Several years ago, we mapped the human genome. So we know what every spot on the chromosome does and is. And having that information, we can test it. And we actually have a lot of good stu laboratory studies now that can actually screen you and your partner to see if you carry any of these uh, genetic conditions before you get pregnant. So, you know, that's something that's out now. For example, the sickle cell disease or cystic fibrosis, you can be tested. And if it shows that you're a carrier for it, then your partner can be tested. If your partner is also a carrier, there's a 25% chance that you will actually, that you could have a baby that would have sickle cell or cystic fibrosis. And so, you know, not to say that that means you all can't have a baby, but there's some education that needs to go around that. So, you know, asking your your doctor for the screening test may be something um, that you might be interested in. It's something at least to get more information about. Substance use. Substance use. So I'm specifically referring to smoking. So nicotine, marijuana, prescription drugs, um, opioids, recreational drugs, and particularly alcohol. I've been in medicine my whole life. And so I feel like a lot of people know this and maybe you don't. Um, but if, if you're an alcoholic and you get pregnant and you have a child that is exposed to excessive alcohol, during your pregnancy, that child can have fetal alcohol syndrome, which, we, which causes damage to the central nervous system. And the baby can have developmental de delays, can be, can, be, can be, we used to say, a mental retardation. But it causes a syndrome for that child. Very easy you you want to have a conversation about this because it's something that, A, if you're going to be somebody's parent, right, and you're going to care for a newborn child, we don't need you relying on substances 
that are um, going to alter your behavior or, or interfere with your ability to take care of this child in a way that it needs to be taken for. And not only that, it can also cause problems in utero. Smoking is, is culturally accepted. People are not smoking as much, but smoking puts you at risk for, you know, preterm delivery, puts you at risk for small babies. It affects your placenta. And so if there's something that we can do prior to you getting pregnant, now look, we can have this conversation three, four, five years before you even want to have a baby. If we can get you off cigarettes, your baby will benefit from that. Your baby will definitely benefit from that. And with substance use, it's very hard. And so if you're listening to this right now, please understand that there are people uh, that can definitely help. We want to help you. And I would say just see what's out there in the realm of resources, because most likely you will need some assistance in getting these things out of your life. Another thing to um, address during your visit is nutrition and weight management. So, you know, what are you eating? How are you eating? What are you not eating? Are you taking any supplements that may be harmful to the baby? Prenatal vitamins. I think that's something that most people understand that they should take when they get pregnant. So we get a positive pregnancy test and we reach for the prenatal vitamins. That's good. I won't fault you. But ideally, you want to be taking prenatal vitamins at least three months before you, you get pregnant. There's something called folic acid that helps that neural tube close. And you need that present before you even know that you might be pregnant very, very early in your pregnancy. So again, those are things that you want to, you want to be ahead of the game on. The other thing is that when you want to get pregnant and even menstruating women can benefit from a vitamin that has iron in it. Again, a fetus is a parasite. And so one thing that it will take from you is iron. And so... If you've been pregnant, you know, in the second trimester, we're checking your blood count to make sure you're not anemic. Because if you're low on iron and the baby takes what you have, then you can't make your own red blood cells and your blood count gets low. And then you do not feel great. And you're tired anyway because you're pregnant. But when you're anemic, it just makes it worse. So again, having some conversation around nutrition. A lot of women with heavy periods are usually anemic. So that's definitely something you want to talk about. Weight management. We, in America, obesity is, is an epidemic now. And, you know, during pregnancy, you will, you will gain weight. We know that, right? You can't have an eight-pound baby and not gain weight, right? So just kind of having a conversation around where you are with your weight. One thing I see is that if you come into the pregnancy overweight, and then you gain another 40 pounds when you're pregnant, right? And maybe after the baby gets here, maybe you lose a whole 40, but probably not. Maybe you lose 20. So you're 20 pounds ahead after the pregnancy. And then you carry that extra 20 pounds into the next pregnancy. So this is really a foundational issue that we, we need to address before. Because obesity does have an impact on your pregnancy and just overall how you feel. Physical exercise. Exercise and, and being active is going to be very huge also. It's something that you should do before you get pregnant. It's something that we should all do even as children, right? So pre getting pregnant doesn't mean that's the only time you will benefit from physical exercise, but that's oftentimes what we see. I'm going to have, trying to have a baby. I'm trying to get healthy. I will tell you, women that are physically fit, and, and I'm a mother of two, and I can't say I was, I, I wasn't overweight. I wasn't obese per se, but I wasn't hitting the gym and, and, and training for a marathon like I am now. But if you have, if you are toned, if your muscles are strong, when your musculoskeletal system changes to accommodate this, this growing watermelon inside, you will just fare a whole lot better throughout the pregnancy. The muscles, the strong muscles will kind of help support your bones um, when they start to shift and relax. Things that happen naturally to allow the baby to get out. 
And you just will have less aches and pains. You'll have less back pain. Your labor won't be as horrific. So really being physically fit is going to be huge, not only during the pregnancy, but also during labor and afterwards. Mental health. All right. So if you have any mental health issues or you have a mental illness, that needs to be addressed and that needs to be optimized, not only from the fact that that maybe you're on medications that may affect the fetus, but, you know, are you in in safe relationships? Do you have the social support that you're going to need? I mean, even if, you know, are you able to meet your needs as far as housing and, and getting the food that you need? So that's really, really important. Because also, you know, having a baby, you know, there's something called postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And so if we can optimize the care of a mom during the pregnancy, then you're less likely to have postpartum depression and anxiety. So if that's something that, you know, you know that you struggle with, or maybe you have an inkling that something's not quite right, that might be something that you definitely want to talk with your, your doctor about. All right. So other things that should happen at the preconception visit. After you've had a talk about your history with the things that we just listed, you should have a physical exam. A physical exam is not just only listening to your heart and your lungs, but also doing a a breast exam, doing a pelvic exam to make sure that everything is okay and not, there's not anything wrong that potentially pregnancy would make harmful or that particular issue would cause you inability to get pregnant. So for example, when I think about a pelvic exam, maybe you have uterine fibroids, which are very large and they are up to your belly button. And you know, we're going to put a baby that's going to grow inside, you know, maybe if your uterus is enlarged on physical exam, that warrants more investigation prior to you getting pregnant. So that's an, uh, an, a time where, you know, a problem that you currently have would probably complicate your pregnancy. Now, what if we do a breast exam and I feel a breast mass and, and maybe, you know, unfortunately it might be cancer. I've never had that case in my pregnancy where, in my pregnancy, I've never had that happen uh, in my career. But when you are pregnant, you have uh, a lot of hormones. Estrogen and progesterone in particular are very, very high. And breast cancers can like estrogen and progesterone, meaning like you have just thrown gasoline on a fire. So if, if you have an abnormal breast mass, definitely you need to have further evaluation to make sure that that is not cancer because a pregnancy will make that situation a lot worse, a lot worse. All right. So a few things that, you know, people want to say, you know, oh man, you know, I I need some lab work to make sure I can get pregnant. You know, I, I want all my labs to make sure I'm healthy. So I say yes. You know, just like you would at any annual physical exam, get your blood pressure checked, you know, know your your BMI, get a good exam. Doesn't hurt to get your blood count checked. We call it a CMP, a complete metabolic panel that looks at your kidney function, your electrolytes and your your liver function. But also, you know, there are some things that you should get checked like a hemoglobin A1C. A hemoglobin A1C tells us how well your blood sugar has been controlled over the last three months. We're now hearing more about prediabetes. And one reason for that is that once we do the A1C, we can see that maybe you're not in the diabetic range, but you're having some problems controlling your blood sugar. And so you're prediabetic, which means that puts you at great risk for developing diabetes in the future. And if you're pre-diabetic and you get pregnant, your risk of getting gestational diabetes is quite high. So that may be a routine test 
that you would benefit from to know before you get pregnant. Now, sometimes with insurance, you know, not everybody qualifies to get a hemoglobin A1C. Um, the codes that I usually use are obesity. And I tell my patients, don't get offended, but this is going to get it paid for. So obesity, family history of um, diabetes. So if it's a first degree relative, meaning a mother, father, brother, sister, then you can be checked yearly with an A1C. The other times that we can get a, a, a hemoglobin A1C covered is if you have an elevated fasting glucose. The fasting glucose is basically you haven't eaten for six to eight hours. We check your blood sugar and it's a little high. If it's a little high, if it's above 100 or 100 and above, then you qualify to get an A1C. And if, if you are pre-diabetic or even diabetic, that needs to be managed prior to you conceiving. Specifically, let's talk about type 2 diabetics. If your blood sugar is off the charts, that is something that will absolutely, please hear me, please hear me, absolutely will put your baby at risk for birth defects, especially if you have an A1C over 10. Normally, for diabetics, we want it less than seven. Normal, meaning no prediabetes, no diabetes, is less than 5.7. So if it's above 10, it's pretty high. Too much sugar around puts a baby at risk for heart defects, puts a baby at risk for what we call limb defects. There are some really, really, I won't say awful pictures, but it's called mermaid syndrome where the baby's lower extremities fuse. And so those are extreme cases, but it can also cause you to just have a miscarriage like this. Preg the pregnancy won't continue. So definitely blood sugar needs to be evaluated. A few other things that need to be checked because they're things that we address in pregnancy is certain viruses that put your baby at risk. So rubella and chickenpox, also known as varicella, those also cause birth defects for the baby. So MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella is a vaccine that all of us get as school-aged children and as babies that we that we get so that we don't have this particular infection. I don't think, I've never seen a case of rubella in, in my career, and it's because we're vaccinated against it. Um, that is a prenatal lab that once you get pregnant, most, most women are, well, not most, all women are tested for. And if it shows that your immunity to rubella is low, meaning your antibodies are low, then you need to get that vaccine after you've had the baby. You can't get that vaccine while you're pregnant because it's what we call a live virus. And that that can't be, your baby can't be exposed to the live virus, right? Because that virus can affect the baby. The um, other thing that we check, the other virus is chicken pox. And so the chicken pox virus can also cause major issues and not only birth defects, but lead to fetal death. So we have to confirm immunity. So if you've had chicken pox naturally, then you're immune. And if you don't know that history, that needs to be checked. More women are of childbearing age now or have been vaccinated for chickenpox. So if you got the chickenpox vaccine, it's also a good idea to check your immunity to make sure that if you were exposed to chickenpox, that you would not develop an infection. And again, if this is something that you're not immune to, then you would need to get the vaccine after uh, pregnancy. As I mentioned before, being a carrier for certain genetic diseases that can also be screened and be checked. It's something that we're doing more routinely now, and hopefully it's being covered more and more frequently. But I have told my patients the particular test that we use, if it's out of network, it may be $250 to get this done. However, once it's done, it's done. Your genes never change. So that, that's a good one. There are a few other tests that potentially can be done for high-risk populations like TB and, and lead, lead levels and phenylalanine. But again, these are things that you want to talk about 
with your doctor because you need labs to check for this. The other thing is checking for STDs to make sure that you're not at risk prior to conception as well. All right. So what are some things that, you know, once we get all of this information that we can do to kind of, you know, intervene or improve the outcomes for you? So a very simple one is making sure that you're on folic acid prior to pregnancy. And again, I usually recommend that you're taking that three months prior to pregnancy. You want to have at least 800 um, micrograms daily. A lot of prenatal vitamins will have 1,000 micrograms or one milligram. Our food source has also been supplemented with folic acid. So you'll see that there's some folic acid in like bread, for instance, that's helping supplementation. Now, there are, there are a particular category of women who may have difficulty processing the folic acid in most supplements, and that's another conversation. But for the most part, most of us will do very well with an over-the-counter folic acid supplement. Making sure that women who, who are overweight or obese or not at your ideal weight are there. Now, what I will tell you is that, you know, listen to me clearly, obesity does in decrease your fertility, but it doesn't mean you can't get pregnant. And you can still get pregnant even if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, any of these things. If egg and sperm get together, you know, it can happen. And so, you know, we're just really tra- talking about optimizing the, the situation. So if you got, you know, 50 pounds to lose or 100 pounds to lose, and it's going to take you a year to lose it, and you're 35, okay, maybe not. Maybe let's just get 30 or 40 off. Let's get some new habits in before you try to conceive. But again, that's something that needs to be decided between you and your doctor. But, you know, if you have a lot of weight to lose, I'm not saying you can't get pregnant until you lose all of it. But you definitely want to be on track to have a plan on how to, to manage that. It'll just help it make it easier for you to get pregnant and you'll do better during the pregnancy. Making sure you're up to date on your vaccines. Again, if you are um, not immune to rubella or varicella or chickenpox, then you would get that. Changing any medications that you need. Like I said, like if we need to get you off of certain medications like seizure meds or you have high blood pressure and the blood pressure medication that you're on is not something that we use during pregnancy or is not our favorite, then we need to switch you to the new medication that we're going to use when you get pregnant. Another thing that we uh, need to address, and we kind of talked about it before, and, and this is an intervention, this makes a difference, getting you off cigarettes, getting you off marijuana or THC that you um, ingest, making sure that you are off alcohol and that you are not uh, addicted to any opioids or any um, addictive substances is very key. Now, that's one thing where I would say we definitely, you don't need to halfway be there. Like you don't have to be drinking just, you know, if you're an alcoholic, you know, oh, I just drink a little bit. No, we need you off completely. That's one thing that, that that we need to draw a line in the sand until we get this fixed. Let's try not to proceed forward because again, pregnancy is stressful. And so sometimes we're using substances because we're trying to help it manage, manage stress, help us with depression or anxiety. And some of those things get worse during pregnancy. So if we don't get a new way to manage that prior to pregnancy, then you're not necessarily going to come up. That's not the the time to try a new, a new way of coping is not when you're actually pregnant. We need to figure that out beforehand. And lastly, something that we need to address is, you know, just kind of what you do as far as the behaviors that may put your baby at risk. So making sure that, you know, I mean, this is, this is one just to be aware of, but if you don't cook, if you don't eat cooked meat, 
and you're eating raw things or you're eating such things that are really high in mercury, like swordfish and, you know, that's really your go-to, then we want to kind of just go ahead and start to alter those behaviors. The other thing is to go ahead and start exercising, making sure that's a part of your, your lifestyle and that your nutrition is optimized, that you're meal prepping and that you're making, you know, good choices so that you'll continue that behavior during the pregnancy. All right. So some of you listening, maybe you have some specific conditions that, that are not going to go away with pregnancy that will maybe worsen by the pregnancy. So these things need to be controlled prior to you getting pregnant. One big one is hypertension, also known as high blood pressure. Now, this is something that, again, is more common as we see the numbers for obesity and diabetes and high cholesterol, high cholesterol go up because there's something called metabolic syndrome. And in metabolic syndrome, it's diabetes, high cholesterol, and high blood pressure. High blood pressure puts you at risk for so many things during pregnancy. If you have it prior to pregnancy, you will definitely be considered a high-risk pregnancy. Now, a high-risk pregnancy doesn't mean that you can't get pregnant or you shouldn't get pregnant. What it means is that instead of the routine prenatal care that we would offer for low-risk pregnancies, you're going to have to have some extra special attention uh, during your pregnancy to make sure that you and your baby come out as, as, as best as you can. So if you have high blood pressure, make sure that it is under control prior to you getting pregnant. Now, some women I've seen have high blood pressure and they've lost weight and they started exercising and they're managing it through their lifestyle, which is phenomenal. That's great. That's ideal. But understand that you still have high blood pressure. And so even if you're managing it with your lifestyle during the pregnancy, that's something that that may cause an issue. So if you don't even consider yourself to have high blood pressure, but at one point you did and you were told you had it and now you're taking off medications, do not forget to tell your, your OB, your obstetrician that, hey, at one point I did have high blood pressure, but I managed it with my lifestyle because you still have that predisposition to developing high blood pressure. Something that potentially can happen with women who have high blood pressure is that you can develop preeclampsia or eclampsia. And that's basically where your blood pressure gets really, really high. It can start to affect your kidneys and your liver. And if your blood pressure goes really, really high, it can cause a stroke. And so, you know, that usually happens in very severe cases, but it's not something that we overlook and take lightly. And that's why we're so really cautious about high blood pressure in pregnancy. So, the other thing that I want to say about high blood pressure is that there, there are a few things in the pregnancy that say, you know, we've got to stop the pregnancy. You can no longer be pregnant. Rule of thumb is we always take care of mom first. Mom is the incubator, right? And if the incubator goes down, then there's really no hope for the baby, the fetus inside. So preeclampsia is one of those conditions where if your blood pressure is very, very high, and we can't get it under control and it's really affecting your body, the pregnancy has to end. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're 25 weeks or 30 weeks, the pregnancy has to end. And so what ends up happening is you have a premature baby. And so, you know, those are things that, you know, if we can improve and optimize beforehand, we can get your baby full term and your baby starts life off at a much better position. A premature baby has challenges that, you know, that can affect the rest of their life, the rest of their life. So, you know, some babies, you know, have visual impairment because they were born too early and that child has to live with that. So not trying to make anybody feel guilty, but if there's some things that we can prevent before the baby gets here, that's definitely what we want to do. There are certain medications that we don't like you to be pregnant on. ACE inhibitors or like lisinopril, those are some things that we would not um, want you on. The medications that we like during pregnancy are Procardia 
or nifedipine or labetalol. Aldamet is an old medication that that we've also used. And so some patients are, are on that if they're childbearing age, and that's fine. Again, have a conversation with your doctor before you get pregnant so we can switch you to a medication that's safe in pregnancy. And this is something that your primary care can do or your obstetrician can. Another condition um, that we want to manage prior to pregnancy is diabetes. I've already talked about that a little bit ahead of time. But know that if you do have diabetes, you probably will need insulin to manage that, which maybe you were on pills prior to pregnancy. And if it's really, if you're on lots of medications to control it, then you might have to switch to insulin. Um, insulin works really, really well during pregnancy. So you might have to switch to insulin once you get pregnant. If you are a type 1 diabetic, I'm a huge fan of a pump, an insulin pump, which is easy to manage. But if you are a type 1 diabetic, you need to have an endocrinologist on board that will um, help your obstetrician take care of you during your pregnancy. Another is thyroid disease, levothyroxine or synthroid or armothyroid are things that are, are medications that are prescribed to manage your thyroid. The thyroid is responsibility. I think a lot of us see it as your um, the engine of the body. It drives your metabolism. If it's, if it's underactive, you know, you feel tired, fatigued, you gain weight. If it's overactive, your metabol metabolism is revved up, you're losing weight, you have a fast heart rate, et cetera. So these are things that need that needs to be optimized during pregnancy. And it also, um, you have to have laboratory studies during pregnancy to make sure it's still um, under control. Asthma is another one that, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of patients who have severe asthma, but this is an easy no-brainer one, right, y'all? If you can't breathe, then that's really not, not good for your baby, right? So definitely making sure that, that your asthma is well controlled so that we, the baby has everything it needs. You're also going to need to have that optimized because your respiratory system does change during pregnancy. Uh, seizure disorders, that needs to be controlled. We talked a little bit about that before. And this is a big one. Women with cardiovascular disease. So if you have heart problems, you, this is a conversation that needs to be serious conversation specifically, specifically with your cardiologist and your obstetrician and maybe a high-risk specialist, a maternal fetal medicine specialist. Can you get pregnant? There are some conditions that you can have prior to pregnancy that if you get pregnant, it will make them significantly worse to the point that you may be disabled or that you may be at risk for, for losing your life. That's a little dramatic, I know. And maybe most of you all don't know people who have bad hearts, as we would say. But if, if your heart is not functioning properly prior to pregnancy, then it's going to struggle when you get pregnant. You have more fluid in your body when you are pregnant. It increases by about half. And all of that has to go through your heart. Your heart is working very, very hard. And so if you have um, some difficulties with your heart, you don't want to get pregnant. And then you end up with more heart damage as a result of pregnancy. There are unfortunately some women that we advise not to get pregnant because of that. Nowadays, surrogacy is actually becoming more common. And I think it, it's more affordable than it has been in the past, but it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you can't have a baby biologically yours, meaning a baby that, you know, has your, your DNA, but maybe you're not the best incubator for that baby because it will potentially damage your heart even more. The other thing that works really hard during pregnancy are your kidneys your kidneys. Now, there are some, you know, conditions that damage the kidneys 
prior to pregnancy. So high blood pressure, diabetes, and lupus, systemic lupus is um, one of those conditions. So you definitely, if you have a nephrologist, that's a sign that it might not be a good idea for you to get pregnant. Or I won't say might not be a good idea, but you need to have a very frank discussion with your provider. Will my kidneys withstand a pregnancy? I had a patient early on my early on in my career, and it it really affected me. It made me say she didn't seek preconceptual counseling. She had two children, and she was pregnant with her third, or maybe it was her fourth. But she had kidney disease that, you know, she really didn't bother. She didn't bother. I don't say she didn't bother, but it really wasn't on her radar screen at how severe it was. But she didn't get it checked regularly. So when she, when she came to, you know, get her routine prenatal care started, she was already in renal failure. She was already in renal failure. And then, you know, the pregnancy causes the kidneys to work very, very fast. Anybody who's been pregnant, you know you're going to the bathroom all of a sudden because you've got all this fluid in your body and your body's got to process all of that. And so by the end of the pregnancy, um, she was in stage four renal failure. She was going to have to go on dialysis because her, her kidneys weren't healthy prior to pregnancy. And the pregnancy put an additional burden on her, on her kidneys that she, that they just weren't able to withstand. And so had she known that prior to pregnancy, that that was a risk, maybe that wasn't a risk that she would have taken. So this is why this is so important to discuss all of these things. The other thing to, to, to talk about or conditions that you may have, if you haven't had your mouth checked in a while and you got cavities all over the place, please go get that checked. I'm going to have my dentist, my prosthodontist on one of the episodes to talk about the importance of dental, your dental health. But, you know, untreated um, infections in the mouth and periodontal disease, that can put you at risk for, for preterm labor. The other things, one other thing that I would recommend that could have a significant impact on your pregnancy that can affect you and your baby is if you have some underlying disorder where your blood clots easily. We're calling the, we call those thrombophilias, but basically you clot easily. Usually these patients have had recurrent pregnancy losses or miscarriages, and it's not until they take aspirin or something to help with the clotting that they they finally get pregnant. But usually, uh, you present to the medical system and you know that you have this condition before you actually uh, get pregnant. But if you get a, when you're pregnant, you're more at risk for getting blood clots. And so DVT or deep venous thrombosis or pulmonary embolism, also known as a PE, these are things that are life-threatening. Life-threatening. Again, if the incubator ain't right, the fetus doesn't stand a chance. So if, if you get a blood clot or a PE, not only is that something that impacts your pregnancy, it can take your life while you're pregnant. And so if you're somebody who knows that you're at risk for this or you know it runs in your family, we send you to the hematologist before to rule that out and make sure that that's not something um, that you carry. If you have something like that, if you've had a history of a DVT or a PE or you have an inherited thrombophilia, you will need to be on a, some form of blood thinner throughout the pregnancy. And usually it's Lovenox, sometimes it's heparin. But we have to keep your blood nice and thin so that we don't have any of those bad things happen. So those, those are the big things. And this was, you know, generally an overview of kind of the things that, you know, you should be considering when you are thinking about pregnancy. And again, we're preventing. So even before you even think about thinking about <laughs> getting pregnant, these are things um, that you want to address. You are a unique individual. Your family history is, is different from, you know, maybe other people that you know. And so that's why it's so important that you establish care with a doctor. You have a relationship 
so that they can be thinking ahead for you and bring these things to your attention. So I, I hope this has been really, really helpful. Again, anything that I say here is just general. It is a recommendation. It is something that is to educate you so you can talk more about it with your provider. And so I strongly, strongly encourage you to, to think about these things, make an appointment to specifically speak about getting pregnant. Okay. So listen, y'all, this is the last thing I'm going to say. You know, your doctor works for you and we're here for you, right? So do not be afraid to ask help for help in this area to ask for information. What I don't want you to do, though, is go in for a physical exam, your routine physical, and then say, okay, tell me about preconception. Because this is, I mean, I probably spent over 45 minutes talking about what we need to consider. This is a separate office visit so that your doctor can take the time uh, that they need to look through your history, talk to you and see what's going on. And lastly, don't forget the, the benefit of having support, having a solid relationship, because not only do we take care of our child before we get pregnant and during, but we also want to create a solid and happy life for our children once they get here. So I hope this was helpful. And uh, again, if you have any questions, seek your provider. You can also go to my website, office visits with Dr. V and go to the resources tab. There is a link for the um, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and they have a ton of resources for patients. All right, I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. My prayer is that something said on this podcast will get you started on a path to your optimal health and wellness. The information, including opinions and recommendations discussed in this podcast, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of a qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Although I'm a doctor, this does not replace the advice of your licensed physician or healthcare provider. So please seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your healthcare regimen. And another thing, just by listening to this podcast doesn't make me your doctor. However, if you want to stay connected, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. And go to my website at OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. That's OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. Let's follow up next time. Blessings.